Hi, you're listening to Science Versus, the show where we pit fact against fad. I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and on today's show, the gay gene. Is our sexuality determined before we're born? Researchers have been celebrating a breakthrough, a eureka discovery, significant breakthrough, uncovering the sinister secrets. Scientists across the world. world first. The idea of the gay gene in the 21st century is not so much that there is one gene that determines our sexuality, but rather it's a symbol that you are born gay. And no amount of listening to Sure or watching beaches or wearing flannel shirts or playing football can change that. So yes, the term the gay gene is inaccurate, I'm sorry. But I tell you, what we have in store today is so much more interesting. I'm everything that bigots want me to be. <laughs> like, you know when people say, like, the dirty homos? That's me. That's me. This um, is Sydney comedian Reese Nicholson. When I was 10, I remember my mother saying to me, you know, if, if you were gay, that'd be fine. They were clearly preparing me <laughs> to, like, we know it's coming. It's best that he's comfortable with it now. While Reese came out when he was 14, he says... I think I was gay before I was even sexual, before it was even a sexual thought. I acted a certain way and had a certain admiration for men. And a lot of people can relate to that story. But then, there's science. Today we're going to look at the things that science knows can dictate your sexuality before you come out of your mother's vagina. And full respect for your mother's vagina. But you probably did come out of it. So we're going to look at your DNA, at the hormones that you're swimming in in the womb, and finally we'll investigate how a mother's immune system might play a role in the sexuality of gay men. And I should point out here that the vast majority of research on the causes of homosexuality has been conducted in men. And it's unclear why, but Sandra Olvera Hernandez and her colleague at the Centre for Research and Advanced Studies in Mexico wrote in a recent book on the subject that it could be because male homosexuality, quote, threatens society more deeply than its female counterpart, end quote. Okay, first up, your DNA. Is there a gay gene? We already know about genes that cause homosexuality. We know they're there. This is Bill Rice, a professor of evolutionary genetics at the University of California in Santa Barbara. So, what's the evidence for these genes that cause homosexuality? First, there's work in non-human animals. And when we're talking about sexuality in mice or sheep or flies, they aren't called gay or straight or on the spectrum. We call it mate preference. This is Professor Jenny Graves, a geneticist at La Trobe University in Melbourne. And if we're studying fruit flies, we know there are major genes that affect mate preference. There's one mutation that makes males court other males, for instance. So it's absolutely clear that there are many genes in fruit flies that affect whether males were caught males or females. Studies in mice have also found that tweaking certain genes can encourage females to start mounting other females. But where's the evidence in humans? Well, a study published last year in Psychological Medicine using over 400 pairs of gay brothers and their families found a link between homosexuality and a particular section of DNA on the X chromosome. But this is a section of DNA. They haven't got a particular gene. They know where it lives. In fact, the genetic technique that they used meant they couldn't find a specific gene, only a general area. 
it's right down the bottom of the X chromosome and there's lots and lots of genes there, hundreds of genes, so it could be any one of those. But not all gay guys in that study had that similar section of DNA, meaning that you can be gay without it. Plus, other studies looking for a gay gene have failed to find a link between that section of DNA and homosexuality. Professor Jenny Graves says this could be because there's probably hundreds of gay genes and it's going to be very difficult to demonstrate them. And what she means by that is if you have one or two genes that definitely make someone gay, what you should find is that every gay man or woman will have that gene. But that's not what happens. Instead, there are likely to be many, many genes that do many tiny little things, all culminating in a gay person or a straight person or a somewhere-in-between person. Well, I think it's wrong to think of them as gay genes. I think they are male-loving genes or male-preference genes. And if you have one or a lot of these genes, you are going to prefer males. And that's true if you're a woman and you prefer males. And it's true if you're a man and you prefer males. According to Jenny, there are probably female-loving genes too. But as we mentioned before, most of the research in homosexuality has been conducted in men. And then there's the question of how these gay genes would even work. How does a gene make someone sexually attracted to anyone, really? So first, let's consider how genes work in general. And just a little refresher course from high school here. So there's DNA swimming in the cells of our body, and that DNA is packed with genes that are the instructions to make proteins. These proteins are like enzymes that speed up chemical reactions, maybe like digestive enzymes. Or they could be structural proteins like collagen that build materials in our body. Or they could be transport proteins that carry things like oxygen through your blood. So what would a gene do to make you gay? I think we're just totally guessing and we're often wrong when we guess. But... Let's do it anyway. The authors of that recent genetic study suggested that relevant genes are likely to play a role in how our brain develops or how hormones and other chemicals interact with the way our brain functions. But genes aren't everything. And we know this thanks to studies with identical twins who have pretty much identical DNA. Because if sexuality was hiding entirely within our genes, then you'd expect that if one twin was gay, the other would be as well. And is this what we find? If one identical twin is homosexual... Here's geneticist Professor Bill Rice again. The probability the other one will be as well is only about 20%. So that leaves about 80% of our sexuality up for grabs. So other than our DNA, what could be influencing our sexuality before we're born? According to Bill, epigenetics... This is a process that controls how your genes work because those genes that are sitting in our cells aren't pumping out proteins all the time. Sometimes they're working and sometimes they're silent. And epigenetics is believed to be the mechanism that tells these genes when to start sending out instructions to make proteins and when to stop. So it's possible that there are male-loving genes and female-loving genes in everyone, but it's the epigenetic markers, the ones that turn them on and off, that influence how active those genes are. In a recent book on the biological basis of sexual orientation, Professor Eric Villain... Eric Villain? I am Professor Eric Villain. Professor Villain. Oh, no, sorry, it's uh, Villain. Eric Villain. Director of the Center of Gender-Based Biology at the University of California in Los Angeles. 
Anyway, Eric Villain wrote, It is very likely that certain epigenetic markers are at least partly responsible for sexual orientation. But there is little to no direct evidence that these epigenetic markers play any role in human homosexuality. And that's mostly because no one has really looked. Epigenetics in general is a pretty new scientific field and we don't know a lot about the details of how it works. So watch this space. Conclusion. There are likely to be genes that influence our sexuality. There's probably a lot of them, and each of their individual effect on us is minor, which is why studies have trouble identifying them. And then sitting on top of this genetic process are epigenetic markers that control how these genes work. And they probably play a role in our sexuality too. But we need to wait to get some evidence on that one. Sometimes you'll see kids and you just go, wow, what a little gaybo. Like the, and I think that's why I kind of believe in the whole born thing because there's no way by that age they've had enough access to know to be camp. Okay, so you are a little fetus in the womb. You've got your genes and your brain is developing and that brain is starting to experience the world of hormones. Could these hormones influence our sexuality? Professor Jacques Balthazar, a neuroscientist from the University of Liège in Belgium, says yes. He believes that hormones in early development are a big deal when it comes to making us gay or straight or somewhere in between. Around half of the variance in sexual orientation is due to the effect of hormones during the embryonic life. 50%. Big call. But a lot of Jacques' evidence for this comes from animal studies. In rats, for example, if you block the action of testosterone in the brain in a male, you will have a male who's going to be interested in other males, so he will be homosexual in human terms. Studies going as far back as the 50s have found that giving pregnant animals like guinea pigs testosterone during their pregnancy leads to their grown-up daughters mounting just like the boys do, rather than presenting to the fellas. And I recently learned that this process of presenting is called lordosis. Lordosis. Nice, right? Anyway, that's rats and guinea pigs. Where's the evidence in humans? Now, of course, we cannot do experimental manipulations in humans to test their effects. Right, of course, because that would involve injecting pregnant women with testosterone. <gasps> but we have a lot of indirect evidence suggesting that these hormones which are acting in animals still act in humans to determine the sex of the preferred partner. For example, there's a genetic condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia, or CHA, C-A-H, where... The female fetus experiences high levels of androgen throughout development. This is Professor Bill Rice again, and androgens are male hormones like testosterone. So Bill says that since these girls are exposed to the levels of hormones that male embryos usually experience, they tend to have higher rates of homosexuality and bisexuality than when compared to the general population. So what would hormones in early development do to create a little gay bow? Can I say gay bow? Jacques believes that hormones in the womb act directly on the brain to influence our sexuality. But what part of the brain? Specifically, which structure is implicated in sexual orientation, we don't know for sure. But he says the medial pre-optic region seems to control sexual orientation in animals. So, for example, when researchers in the 1970s damaged that area of the brain in male monkeys... I know, right, but it's... 
relevant, so just stay with me. Anyway, those male monkeys were no longer interested in female monkeys, but they didn't change their masturbatory practices, suggesting that their sexual appetite hadn't changed. The same thing has been found in rats. But where's the evidence in humans? Uh, We assume that the same region still controls sexual orientation in humans. We don't have any experimental evidence for that, of course. Right, because we would need to damage that part of the brain in humans to determine that, so we couldn't do it. And just a side note that when it comes to determining our sexuality, hormones only seem to affect a developing fetus, not adults. Adult hormones cannot change sexual orientation. Conclusion. Hormones in the womb are likely to play an important role in our sexuality. Now, I should say that all of these factors we've talked about so far are incredibly intertwined. So, for example, genes and epigenetic markers can affect what kind of hormones are produced, and hormones influence brain development, and they can even influence epigenetic markers that then go back to influence more hormones. Messy, right? No wonder we're still nutting this out. And there's one more important factor at play here. Brothers. And this is relevant only for gay guys. I'll talk about why in a moment. If you have an older brother born from the same woman... Here's Professor Jacques Balthazar again. The incidence of homosexuality will increase by 33%, and that increases 33% for each older brother you have. That means a boy with four older brothers would be three times as likely to be gay as a boy with no older brothers. And so what would it be about having older brothers? Here's Professor Jenny Graves again. Do they sit on you and make you gay? It just seems a bit ridiculous. <laughs> ah, yes, the old sit on your bro and make him gay theory. No, 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 she's just joking. Now, when comedian Tom Ballard also heard about this statistic, he had his own theories. Your mum's body sort of detects the male presence when she's pregnant with you and just starts chucking estrogen at the fetus to make it less male. He's actually not too far off. So the popular scientific theory on this one is that when a boy develops as a fetus inside the mother, there are male-specific proteins that he's making. So these are proteins that would be completely foreign to the mum in the same way that a bacteria is foreign. And it's thought that the mother's immune system will attack these male-only proteins through antibodies, which is our body's way of identifying foreign substances. The more children that are born... Here's Professor Bill Rice again the more antibodies the mother will build against those male-specific proteins. So the more brothers that are born before a son, but not sisters, the higher the probability of homosexuality. Well, I wish I'd known that for fights with my brother. We're like, yeah, I stepped on your leg of pirate ship at Christmas in 1993, but you <laughs> turned me into a raging homosexual. So, But statistically, this older brother effect... ...can only account for about one homosexual in eight, and only in males, not in females. Because female babies aren't pumping out these male-specific proteins. Conclusion. While we don't know the specifics, it seems that for guys, immune factors in their mama's womb are influencing their sexuality. And in case you haven't picked it up just yet, scientific evidence is clearly suggesting that there is a sexual spectrum. From all those different genes, to the epigenetic factors, to the different hormone levels in the womb, to the amount of brothers that you've got, all these different factors interacting to create someone's sexuality. Oh, yeah. Here's Bill Rice again. There's a spectrum going from uh, preferring exclusively same-sex partners 
or having no interest in same-sex partners. And Professor Jenny Graves says... I think the spectrum's very real, the spectrum's both in males and females, and you can either be very tall or very short or somewhere in the middle. So, when it comes to the gay gene, does it stack up? Well, there's no one gay gene, but there are likely to be genetic, epigenetic, hormonal and immunological effects that influence our sexuality before we are born. And in animal work, many of these effects have been enough to shape the sexuality of that animal without any postnatal factors at play. But what about humans? Does our environment, after we're born, influence our sexuality? Professor Bill Rice says no. These aren't social things. We're hardwired. And Dr Jacques Balthazar is also pretty convinced that sexuality is sorted out in embryonic development. We cannot say for sure it's 100% biological, but it's largely biological influenced by genetic and hormonal influences. And I did reach out to some other academics on this point. Dr Amy Likens, a researcher in human sexuality at the University of New England in New South Wales, pointed out that while for males, homosexuality might be largely determined before birth, we need more information on female homosexuality because it might be different. In fact, the only academic that I spoke with who did not agree with this notion that male sexuality is largely, if not completely, determined before birth was Dr Ilan Da Nimrod at the University of Sydney because he argued that ultimately you cannot separate genes and the environment and any attempt to do so is fraught. Gene and environment work together to pretty much give rise to any complex human phenomena. But when I asked for evidence for what environmental factors after birth have been shown to change our sexuality, he sent me a theoretical paper from 1996 that provided a theory as to how early life experience might influence who we're attracted to. So right now we have lots of data on prenatal factors that influence our sexuality and very little data on postnatal factors. The early education, the interaction with the parents clearly seems to have absolutely no effect. For example, Professor Jacques Balthazar says that our relationship with our parents has not been demonstrated to affect whether we are gay or straight. The lack of father or the dominant mother and those things absolutely have no influence. So as we approach the end of the episode here, I'm just going to ask, does it matter what causes homosexuality? And I'll leave this one to radio host Kyron Wheatley, who's bisexual. And upon realising that he likes boys as well as girls, he found himself reading a lot on the causes of homosexuality. But I guess a part of me as well is like, I don't care. You don't care what caused it? Yeah, because there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, what caused lemon pie? No one gives a shit. Lemon pie's really good. (laughs) I find it a little bitter. (laughs) Well, then stick to men. (laughs) So that's science one. It's a work in progress here. And the gay gene? Well, there's definitely not one specific gay gene. But in terms of our sexuality being largely determined before we pop out, that's one too. That's it for Science Versus. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time. <laughs>